Hello runners and listeners of the Portsmouth Running Podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of the show. Um, it's great to have you here tuning in, uh, listening to us on, on the show. Uh, and on this week's episode, we have one of, I think, the, the wisest runners in the business um, of running, which is Michelle Maxwell from Maxwell Coaching. Uh, Michelle is an active and successful runner and racer herself uh, and coaches a number of athletes, uh, some of which uh, are from the Portsmouth area uh, too, including... Uh, my one and only favorite show co-host, David Harvey, who joins me for today's show introduction. Dave, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We've um, I've just had a Poonami just with, with Hetty just now. So, Brilliant. Um, left, he- left Heather to, um, yeah, yeah, wipe all of that off. <laughs> Is that literally just, just to kind of deal with the aftermath, yeah? <laughs> yeah that's all right I was trying to think of a nice way of saying it but um yeah <laughs> it was flowing it was flowing fast as well so what, what you're basically saying is that I I literally saved you from uh from from a yeah. messy few uh a messy few minutes <laughs> yeah from Poomageddon man that's the one um, um you know I, I always always feel really guilty kind of like dragging you away at the moment because you're so busy at the moment I mean things have been been pretty hectic for you but uh no I, I appreciate you coming on for this one especially because obviously our guest coming up later on in the episode is Michelle, who yeah. um, you know is just an awesome coach, and, and you know you've had a quite a long kind of coaching relationship with her. Yeah, uh, I have, and um, I and I, I'm not the authority on coaches at all, um, but because and you can only go from the experience, can't you? Yeah, um, you've obviously had Paul, and I think Jason had Dazzin Bone, didn't he? Who yes, are, that's right barter coaches that they, they've sort of taken that niche haven't they mm. uh, uh but i i found her through jason howen who was a Portsmouth runner and and she's she's great and has has helped me and taken the stress away from it um, yeah out of running really and and sort of thinking about what do i do today and you know what run fits um I could probably do a plan for other people, but I wouldn't be able to do a plan for myself because I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> she, she's really great on that. Um, but I guess, you know, like sort of reflections on the interview, because I guess through the voodoo of um, technology, we can put it after this conversation, even though we've already had the interview. I know. Isn't that weird? We almost have. It's almost like time travel, these things, aren't they? You've kind of got to, got to remember what you've recorded, what you've said, which way around you put it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like on, on reflection man she she's she knows her stuff doesn't she and, oh god yes uh, absolutely and she's really mm. wise and i think some of the bits around tailoring it to the to the person were really were quite insightful and about how some people have varying levels of motivation yeah absolutely yeah so so i mean so many good things were spoken about kind of like you know the mental strategy of of coaching people and the physical and obviously like you just said like all the different kind of personalities you get people who need motivation to get out the door people who need less motivation to get out the door and uh yeah it's just fascinating and it was kind of like having almost like a, a running celebrity here because michelle's had you know a lot of success in her own races including you know taking home a couple of centurion trophies as well and obviously the, a lot of the listeners will know the centurion races yeah uh, and how hardcore they are but no absolutely brilliant to have michelle on and it was really nice to meet her finally because you know i've yeah. taken part in a few of your training uh like you know routines and stuff over the years uh especially that that lovely session of 30 by 30 seconds along the seafront yeah that's that, i call that the maxwell special <laughs> that's amazing i love that set it's so it's it's hard it's really hard but it's manageable and 
Yeah. And yeah, and it and it kind of gets you almost all the way from where is it from like Eastney? Oh no, sorry, from the ferry at Eastney all the way through to kind of old Portsmouth. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> and and it get, it keeps you really at the kind of like sharp end of your speed, doesn't it? So you, mm, oh yeah, you know, it's a little bit more than a five k pace. Oh yeah, 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 and and yeah, yeah. first first few thirty seconds go quite quickly, and then you're like, yeah, okay, this is this is good in the middle, and then yeah. by the end you're like, okay, I can see why this is this is a Maxwell special. So no, it was a yeah. it was a really really good set, and yeah, I know I know how much how much good training you've done over the years, and you know what having a coach has kind of done for you yeah. so and obviously it goes along the lines of what what we've been mentioning on previous shows as well about kind of getting into good habits and good routines yeah. and yeah you know, and it so it's all good listen how's how's heather and hetty doing this week apart from the the obvious recent uh, punami yeah um I, I think it's probably fair to say that it's a slow return on your investment isn't it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely do good way like, of putting it you know the first couple of months and i think she's about two months old give or take a week yeah. uh, have, have been soul destroying and some of the hardest most frustrating moments of my life I think um, but it all of that just is totally insignificant when you get that little smile back and mm. get that bit of interaction and certainly over the last week since we've discovered the um, uh, gripe water oh yeah that magic formula yeah yeah settle things a little bit I don't know whether that's coming come at the same time as some kind of development stage where she starts interacting more um, yeah, you can never quite tell can you like like what the fix what what's what's fixed things and then just when you think you fixed yeah. it it kind of changes again so yeah yeah totally but she's been a delight and you know it's uh, you, you have those moments where you think oh this is probably the happiest I've ever been um, yeah. and then and then she cries and poos and you think no this is probably <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. But listen, Heather's um, running again postpartum, yeah. which is which yeah, is fantastic. So, how's yeah. how's how's the running going for her? Is she is she is she enjoying being out, finding it difficult? Like like what's been the feedback from her? Um, heavy legs, I think. Um, okay. Worried that her insides are going to fall out. I don't know if this is something in something common for women post post uh, having a baby. Postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. So has actually went and did park run and found that quite difficult and probably did slowest ever park run um and originally had actually um uh, started couch couch to 5k okay and now if you think like a year or so ago she was doing the late than 50 had done some marathons and you know i think in her first first couple of marathons she ended up absolutely smashing them you know getting like second place third place yeah yeah so it really came from a point of pretty decent fitness so when when she started coach to 5k i think it was a little bit too easy for her and i went out and did it and i was like bloody hell this is like you know really really straightforward but you know if you if you are in that position where you've never run before and you're taking on couch to 5k that will be a challenge so i'm not poo-pooing couch to 5k at all is it yeah it's you know it's one of those things that you really have to celebrate because it's probably done more for people's fitness absolutely than, or a you know, it's like one of those things like park run, isn't it? That it champions, and it's one of those. It's probably probably fair to say that it's one of those things that happens. And I think park run does this really well. Is that it? It allows people to and pushes people into being fit, and it doesn't necessarily get recognised for this for the amount of good public health that you know that it does. You know, the mm. amount of improvement in public health that park run has done. 
And I don't know whether that's measurable or not. But you no, know that, yeah, I don't know if but, it is. You know, what's couch to 5K, it would be interesting to see what impact that has had on the health of the population because it's probably quite significant. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, she she uh, Heather has taken on running with Gusto and has done three, four, five miles, that kind of thing. Excellent. I'm I'm so pleased because I, I know I know how much you know speaking to Heather how much she was missing it. So it's great for her to be back and kind of almost kind of get back into some kind of like you know routine of of normal whatever normal may may be yeah. day. But also like I think what you were talking about just now might be a kind of good segue into something that that you know we both wanted to mention on the show for the listeners and that is you know you and I are both kind of like very well, I wouldn't say we're like kind of completely ultra focused running focused but that yeah. is kind of mainly what we do for our kind of a races through the year so a lot of what we talk about sometimes on the intros is very ultra focused long distance focused but you know this podcast is is certainly you know and i think you, you kind of wanted to make make a statement here to say that it's open to to running of all kinds and you know we do try to kind of get a diverse uh, a number of guests on the show speaking about all all kinds of different experiences not just ultra running um and I know yeah. one of our next guests over the next kind of couple of weeks, Dave, next two or three weeks will yeah. be kind of focused around 5K kind of park running and and all the community running and couch to 5K stuff. So, so yeah. you know, hopefully next show will be will be kind of focused all around that. But yeah, I think just important yeah. to mention, like you said. I think that like you know, we, what is what we've got in common, and hopefully what we've got in common with all the listeners is that we both really really love running, and it's manifested the majority of the time in the stuff that inspires us and what inspires me is tends to be stupid ultra races that take me to the edge of what I can what I can possibly do but you know it equally I've done 5k's where I've not been able to walk after them <laughs> you know yeah that, that has taken me to the edge of what I can do but and also you know you know i love running and i love running with my mates and having those chilled out runs so you know it manifests itself in lots of different ways and it's not just the ultra stuff isn't it yeah really super important yeah absolutely i think yeah the the common thread is the love for the running absolutely yeah yeah um so it'd be actually be really interesting to to go and have a go at something like an 800 meter race and see where you kind of stack up against people like that because you know i would be last in you know probably a uh, under 12 800 meter race right now yeah yeah i'm the same as you man I just can't turn the legs quick enough man but yeah no it's it, it, it's 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 an interesting point and i'm I'm really pleased you kind of raised it as well and that we kind of get to get to speak about that so yeah you know n- next couple of weeks um watch out for the show because we have got a special guest coming to yeah. to join us on the show so but listen back back to kind of i guess race news dave um obviously there were a few people i, I know of a few people in portsmouth who put in for some of the utmb races this year yeah. Um, including myself uh, and bad news for me is that I didn't get a place at the the UTMB race itself mm. um, so on to next year but I, I know a few people who have um, there's a couple of friends running the CCC and I yeah. think you guys are going over a bunch of you are going over to run TDS is that right yeah 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 I'm, I'm doing the TDS which um, off the top of my head I can't remember what it's called but it's something like sur la track de savoir or something typically french like that i believe um which is one of the dave i know this i know okay please can i please can i try yeah please please. okay i'm going to screw this up 100 percent. i know this okay because i'm I'm not i'm not a french speaker but i'm going to try okay so the acronym you were you were pretty much bang on it's sur les traces de dux de savoy right yeah (laughs) is that right 
I think you're right. And actually, I think there is some crazy association with making bread to it or something oh, like really? that. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, I, think it's, it, I think I read that it was it was kind of following the footprints of the Dukes of Savoy. So right. it kind of it links. I know the race links the is it the, the Aosta Valley to the Savoy. Yeah, yeah it does. Um, yeah. So it actually starts at the, which I think is the almost midpoint of UTMB, doesn't it? And then, but goes the other way back to, um, like in a clockwise direction, because UTMB is anti-clockwise. Yeah. Uh, so it does that, does like this bit where it comes out of Cormier up a really steep climb. And then I think takes you off on some kind of random tangents around some more extreme terrain, which is rocky. So okay. it's pretty nasty. So mm. nice, man. You're looking looking forward to all those salami and parmesan cheese aid stations right. and all they're, the cowbells. Their aid stations are epic, aren't they? That soup. <laughs> I could you drink know, soup forever. Yeah, it's it's madness. That between that soup, right, and and approaching. I tell you, when you approach an aid station in the UK, right, okay, everyone's gonna gonna recognise us and know this, right? You get to the table and all you see is like jelly beans, jelly babies, a few little bananas and stuff like that. So you 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 kind of almost know that colour palette. The color yeah. palette of the of the table. Yeah. When you get when you get when you when we got to some of the aid stations after Cormier um, in 2019, it was like these humongous like metal containers just filled with salami and yeah. parmesan cheese. Yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 a hilarious observation actually from um, the the UTMB race where it goes through uh, France, Switzerland, and Italy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the further you go around the course the more the cheese changes oh really ah. <laughs> like, like the holy cheese in switzerland and then when we got to um Cormier, it was just like parmesan and then sort of soft brie and stuff when you go back around to france it's quite funny really it's <laughs> amazing just like yeah how the food changes country each time yeah, exactly it's telling you about telling you isn't it? <laughs> Well, listen, I'll tell you what, we're going to have to follow you guys. Obviously, it's 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 way away at the moment. You're not even thinking about yeah. kind of kind of the training around that. But yeah, when that comes about, we'll definitely get you guys on to do a kind of almost remote broadcast from your chalet before the race or after the race or something. So that, yeah. that would be fantastic. Look forward actually, to that. Actually, Dan, our, um, the Portsmouth Running Podcast international correspondent, Stuart Leesman, will be there as well, won't he? Yes. So... <laughs> He'll be taking the reins to interview you guys. Yeah, actually, he's, we, we need to get him on because he's going over to do Gran Canaria. So we can do a, a live from Gran Canaria stream or something like that. Just for... Oh, brilliant. OK, excellent. Yes. See if you can rope him in. See if he's keen to do it again. And yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll hook we'll hook him up for a few minutes. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> awesome and awesome. But do you know, what, Dave, I wasn't really upset that I didn't get in because um, I kind of tried, like, you know, obviously I was a little bit when I saw the email. In fact, I read the email about, about 10 times just to make sure that it did say no and, and, I, and I wasn't just misreading it. Uh, but, um, you know, it just kind of made me think that, you know, I didn't get in, but somebody else is going yeah. in my place and is going to have a kind of like life changing experience out there in uh, in yeah. Chamonix and, and beyond, because I know what it was like running the CCC and just kind of being there for the week. So it's I all good. You've got to be a bit realistic about what's happened over the last two years and that ballot-wise, it was almost impossible to get into one of those races. Um, mm. Maybe even next year, it's going to be even more difficult as well because they um, obviously cancelled UTMB in 2020. Yeah. Uh, in 2021, they um, they had people roll over from 2020 and then had people join the ballot and 
then they offered lots of people a deferral from their races to go over to 2022 or 2023. Yeah. So, you know, the amount of open places that they have from ballots is probably going to be minimal, tiny little amount out of out of the whole lot of them because of people that have been waiting yeah. to do the race. So, you know, you're, you're definitely able to do it. But if you look at all the races around there, there's some mega ones on there, like, in the Aosta Valley, just in Cormier, you've got like, the Tour de Gion and their sort of little sister race, which is the Tour 130, which I would encourage you to put a, put a bid in for because that's Ooh, okay. bonkers. Um, it's it's a bit like a UTMB race. It's around the same kind of area as, as UTMB races. Not quite got that corporate bullshit that UTMB has got. Right. And but is I think it's 130 kilometers with an absolutely eye watering 12,000 meters of ascent in it. Oh, you see, I, I don't know, Dave. For me, do you know what? <laughs> being being there in the mountains when you're there is great, but for me, the idea of that is like just you know a lot of uphill. And and obviously, like as we spoke with you know with Michelle later on in the interview, all that kind of like prep work you've got to do with the climbing in in pretty much a flat. Or, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nowhere, I think Michelle mentioned kind of in the interview that there's nowhere really around the UK you can kind of replicate that. No, it's it's very difficult and it's not running. It's it's, it's hiking and trek climbing, isn't it? So oh. you've got to be prepared to do that. But, you know, potentially Sparta. <laughs> yeah, there? well, I've put, an, I've put an entry in. So let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens yeah. there. You yeah. never know. I think my chances are less than less than Western states, but you never know. <laughs> I think you've got better chances for Sparta, but Pompey okay. seems to be like a hotspot of, you know, Sparta enthusiasts, I think, at the moment. There's a good few few people that I know that are going in for it. So Yeah. Well I've got yeah. you know, I've got other stuff going on. This is this is just kind of like extra kind of experiences and races I'm looking for. I mean, I've I've already got kind of like my year built, so yeah. my, my A races are, are already there and, and we're already training for those. So um Let's see how it goes. Let's see what the year what the year uh, dishes out for for both of us, and just go from there. Yeah. Um, but I know there's going to be a lot of training done along South Sea Seafront. In fact, did you know that they're closing behind the pyramids? In fact, they're doing it this weekend. Are they really? That's a bit depressing, isn't it? That's yeah. Nice. All, <laughs> yeah. All the fencing is kind of is kind of up. So you now you've got to go roadside, um, which I call Angry Crow Alley, which is basically <laughs> the the zombie crows that attack your head so everyone make sure you wear a cap when you're running around there past the um the landing craft (laughs) (laughs) crazy crows (laughs) yeah but no it's it's all good i I think the seafront's going to look quite nice actually when it's when it's finally transformed but i know the other end but that was meant i think i don't know if it was meant to be open already but it's still looking like it's got a lot of work to do so hopefully at some point that will kind of all open up to uh yeah to runners in the area but no no so um so it's all good but Listen, Dave. Anything else you wanna you wanna mention to to the listeners before before we uh, head into the interview? I uh, just stay awesome and really like listen to Michelle. She's awesome. So and I'd thoroughly recommend anyone going with her if they if they're even considering like doing something that is is a bit crazy or even getting to a marathon time, you know, or a five k time. She she does it all and she's brilliant at it. So yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I just disso that hundred percent and um. <laughs> Just a, a little bit of housekeeping before I go is that the the website that we had, which was um, www.portsmouthrunningpodcast.co.uk, will be disappearing at some point next month. Um, and that is because we are being hosted from Anchor FM. So all of our links are on all of our social pages and stuff. 
Um, and all the episodes are still available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, etc. So you can all still grab them from there. Nothing changes. We just won't have our uh, our old website. So so do go and check out Anchor FM. Check out the page. Watch out for episodes there. And Dave, wish you a lovely rest of the weekend. Yeah, cheers, man. Keep it groovy. Goodbye, listeners, and let's go into Michelle Maxwell's interview. Thank you. Hello, and a very warm welcome to Michelle Maxwell from Maxwell Coaching. Uh, it's so lovely to have you on the show, Michelle. How are you keeping? I'm really good. Thank you, Daniel and David. Really good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we've got Dave on as well. And um, obviously, um, you you coach Dave as well, which is uh, going to make this a really interesting uh, and fascinating <laughs> interview, hopefully. So, um, or, or just general chit chat between friends, um, as I was saying earlier. So um, I was saying to Dave during during our introduction that um, it's like having some kind of local running celebrity here on the show, because a you've coached a few runners from down here in port in portsmouth um, and b you've had such good success as a runner yourself um, and i think you like your running statistics that i that i kind of found online particularly your ultra races are just super impressive so uh and a few centurion trophies in there too is that right michelle yes i i do have a couple of those big sturdy trophies on my mantelpiece so but always room for more of them so oh yes <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's really cruel don't you think that they kind of hand you that massive trophy off you just run 50 miles yes <laughs> yeah I remember being handed it um when I when I won the first one in 2017 which is that classic picture of where I went to sleep on the finish line um, <laughs> that Stuart Marsh took I lay down and just went to sleep <laughs> and, and um, James came over and actually had to kind of nudge me awake to say you know you won I give you this wow it's quite funny <laughs> Amazing, Dave. We got to get we got we got to get you one of those trophies soon, then. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking you know, I might have to pick your brains about sleeping in a race. <laughs> <laughs> On the finish Sleep line only. Yeah. Yeah. The finish line only. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, you guys um have your own podcast too, and I, and I don't know Michelle how many recordings you've done recently, but I did notice that you have done podcasting as well. So you've got super brilliant experience um with that and um probably more so than dave and i but uh you know dave we've got to be uber polished today and um so get your best radio voice on we've, we've, we've got to behave ourselves this is good <laughs> <laughs> we we our podcast we um we we set up and then i think during covid because things got a little bit manic with the kids and school ho- you know homeschooling and yeah everything we actually didn't record we haven't recorded an episode for over a year or so but we have talked about rejuvenating it a little bit so i think watch this space there yeah so watch this space there i think it might come back to life so (laughs) brilliant excellent and you've got you've got an episode with um with dave on there as well have you yes yes we interviewed dave um i can't remember was it after trans Balkania and Grand Union. So I'm surprised you don't remember. It's definitely your best episode. So oh, definitely <laughs> the best episode. It was definitely best episode. Um, but what we, yeah, we tried to focus on, um, you know, not not you know, well, although David is a, is a superstar, obviously, but you know, not your really famous runners. It was all about, you know, your I would describe as, you know, good runners, but not people who are necessarily interviewed by a lot of the other podcasts if that makes sense so yeah, more like yeah. more really relate to if that makes sense so and their yeah. stories so absolutely yeah. Michelle. And I think I think that kind of like I don't know if you agree Dave but that kind of ring rings true with the show as well like we've had yeah. 
we've had some GB runners on, but yeah, but 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 we love to speak just to like a wide range, a variety of people, people who are you know not necessarily even running ultras or running at the back, the middle, the front, whichever. Because um, there's always good kind of information and good stories to share um, from everyone, exactly. no matter where they're running. Exactly, and I think people can relate to those types of stories more to to their own lives as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But no, it's fantastic that um, you've you've been able to join us today. Thank you for taking the time, first of all. And um, I look forward to speaking about all these kind of good habits and stuff that we've that we've mentioned already that us runners should be doing, um, <laughs> but often don't don't do. Um, but I guess I guess to ask you guys first, like how long how long has the, how you had the coaching relationship going, and and how did it all start? Um, and I that's think between you and Dave. Yeah. So I think I've been coaching Dave for three years now. Is that right, David? Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that, maybe. So quite a long um, time. 20 yeah, maybe 20, 2018 Transvolcania, wasn't it? And I think Jason, yeah. Portsmouth Jason Howen, he had put me in touch with you and said it, yeah. it was uh, definitely worthwhile. And I uh, yeah. haven't really looked back since then. No. And I think I think the key thing that I when we st- when I started working with David was was just getting that consistency in. He hadn't yeah. done a lot of, you know, we've talked about this strength conditioning. His his training was quite, I would describe it as haphazard. It didn't have a lot of structure to it. And although he was running well and you know doing well in races, there was quite a lot of you know feeling that he wasn't achieving what you know we both thought he was capable of achieving. Okay. Um, and I it's it's. And I think David is tantamount to that phrase that it takes it takes a while. So it's not something, you know, when you take on a coach, it's not something that, you know, you're not, it's not like a magic bullet that, you know, we're going to get you PBs within the first three months. It's something that takes time. So you're building yeah. a relationship um, and you're, it takes a while for the coach to, you know, to understand the athlete and vice versa, the athlete, how, how the training works and how their relationship with the coach works. Um, and obviously all the changes you make to that, <clears throat> that athlete take time as well. So, mm. you know, we've worked mm. really hard on hip stability um, and, you know, just stabilizing everything so that he doesn't get injured. Um, and, you know, then he's building his strength so he can run mm. strong for longer and all that sort of stuff. So it, it, all of that takes a lot longer than I think people realize, you know, when yeah. they take on. Yeah. I think that there's there's something in it as well that uh, <clears throat> like having trust in that process isn't there and about um, putting faith faith in a coach which is quite scary or probably probably quite scary for some people to say yeah. right they t- show me what to do because there are certainly like occasions where you've got no you don't need to do that and um, the mileage has been a lot less than you would probably think it would be for certain races and I think if I go back to Grand Union Canal training for something like 145 I don't think I ran further than about 20 or 25 miles no. but it was um, having that faith in that you know going through this process of building up the mileage and some of that load was um, really important yeah I think I think a lot of people will agree with that as well it's it is that you know having trust in someone else it's um, having someone there you know just on your shoulder someone who really mm. is interested in your running if you know what I mean because yeah. a lot of people are only interested in their own running you know but actually mm. having a coach you know that they're interested in you 
So, you know, it's That's... someone to be accountable to as well. You know, you want your little box in training peaks to turn green. So you, you know, you try your hardest, don't you, to make it turn green. And it's it's just that kind of acceptance of that, isn't it? So, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, de- definitely. Like, like you said, somebody on your shoulder, somebody that you feel like you're accountable for. And I think, you know, even through each minute of a run or a hard run or a session, that coach is there with you in, in your mind. And you're, you know, you're, you almost know that at the end, there's going to be somebody analyzing or not analyzing necessarily, but, but looking at that and yeah, it just kind of holds you accountable to the run. So yeah, really good point. Yeah, I think it does. And, and the, in a good way, in a bad way, you know, some some people feel the pressure of that. And I think a good coach will ensure that there isn't that feeling of pressure as well. So, mm. you know, you don't want to feel, you know, bad if, you know, if the run doesn't go that well. And that's, again, where a coach will come in if you don't have a great run. And of course, that happens with everybody. Not every yeah. run is going to be amazing, but it's all they're all little building blocks to the, the end goal. Um, and of course, then the coach is, is that shoulder to cry on, but also, you know, can actually say to you, look, it's fine. You know, yeah, it didn't go quite right, but you still you got out there. You still did a run and we can take these points away from it. Yeah. And I think if you didn't have that person there. Um, you'd either be, you know, moaning to your partner, who's probably a bit fed up with it, or, <laughs> or you'll just be crying on your own into your beer later. You know, it's it's you've still got that you've yeah, that's what you've got is that you know person who's really interested in you so yeah yeah that's that, that's absolutely it so, so michelle how do you cope when uh, when dave gets in touch with you and, and says oh michelle i went out to the pub last night and accidentally entered another 250 mile race does that does that happen quite a lot <laughs> yeah it does happen quite a lot but he now he now texts me first actually so he's quite good he just he, he gets quite excitable, which is really sweet. It's like a little dog and he finds this race and I get <laughs> like, and the kids are like, oh, mum, David's texting you lots again. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm cooking the, the dinner and I get uh, I could get one of the kids going, oh, David's spamming you again, mum. <laughs> I do find it quite funny. And then, yeah, he's sending me all these links to all these races. It's really sweet. He gets really excited about these different races. Yeah. And then I feel really bad because I have to say that doesn't that one's not going to work. That's too close to that one, you know. Yeah. But it's great. His, his enthusiasm is boundless, and I think that's you you feed off that as well as a yeah, coach. Brilliant. I love coaching someone who's got energy like David has. You just get that feeling that he loves what he loves it. You know, he's you know he's got great support crew at home as well. Heather's brilliant. And you just feel that, you know, it's such a part of his life and yeah. that helps you coach him better. So Brilliant. I think that's, that's where the relationship works so well, you know. Yeah, I guess quite nice, is it? Because do you have any people that you really need to, um, like, try and encourage and motivate or are people that generally come for coaching pretty motivated people? I think if, you have, if you're an ultra runner, I think you're probably quite a motivated person as it is um definitely have people have to motivate more than others to be honest um there are yeah. people who have these goals and they i don't think sometimes they quite understand what it what you need to do to even finish an event yeah. like you know an ultra um that it does need a certain level of you know some people struggle with consistency they they struggle with um, just putting a foot out the door I think there's a little bit of sometimes at this time of year especially is a little bit of anxiety 
and there's some people really struggle with you know just time really and it's and it and it's a little bit of a juggling act trying to figure out how they can fit in the running around their you know their lives so they've got busy you know family life and um, and then a big commute and that sort of stuff and it's just working with them to try and find those little pockets of time so that we can actually get the consistency in um, and then once they get the consistency and they see you know what the adaptability that's happening and then then I think what's the habit is there as we're talk, going to talk about habit it's once you've got the habit then I think they get the motivation from that so but yeah we definitely there are definitely two different types of people that you coach so you've got people like David um, who is pretty self-motivated um, and then you've got you know people who are literally you're encouraging them you know to get that consistency so yeah there's yeah. definitely big differences in, in the types of people. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got the people who you've got to hold back a little bit, you know, not running their easy runs easy enough. And there's a lot of that, you know, where you have oh, to just persuade them to, you know, back off on some runs so that they can get, you know, and then people who shove in extra training as well, which, you know, there's so many different types of people out there. Yeah. And that's what makes the job so interesting. You know, it would be yeah. a bit boring, yeah. I think. Just, just, on, just just on that um uh recovery run type easy run pace thing i've been having a i've been saying to dan for, for ages now like you're going far too fast on your recovery and easy runs yeah he'll, he'll, uh, i hope you don't mind me saying this dad but he'll do like a long tempo session and then the next day it'll be seven and a half minute miling for you know 10k and i'm like surely you should do 10 minute miles because when i do a recovery or easy run I, I literally like walk some of the hills and just chill out and try not to push myself too much but there's there's a from what i've read and i think kip chogi comes to mind when um when they they talk about like the kenyans recovery and easy runs and they just like plod along really slowly just to kind of you know get a sort of workout in but without kicking their own butt yeah and that's exactly it it's I think with an easy run you you really look in I mean using your heart rate monitor is is a really good indicator and just keeping it you know really in that in that low (laughs) low zone two you know upper zone one and just really keeping an eye it should feel really really easy um, I mean, I generally just say, you know, take some photos, <laughs> take, you know, take your time, you know, <laughs> always you time for photos. photos, always time for photos <laughs> on an easy run um, and just just really chill out or run with someone who, you know, is a bit slower. So, you know, that's yeah. neat. That's a good way of getting your recovery run is go and partner up someone, you know, and you can help them along and chat to them, you know, and, and keep your and keep your easy run really low I mean, if, if you if you don't want to use heart rate then just think you know, your easy run should be if you think about your marathon pace it should be a couple of minutes slower per mile than your marathon pace ideally and that will be a bit variable depending you know as if you've got a slower marathon pace so if yeah. you're a nine nine minute mile a marathon pace running 11 minute miles is going to feel incredibly slow but you might actually find that's the pace you need to run to keep that heart rate down. So it's it's a little bit of a juggling act because the margins are you know become a little bit less stretched as you, as you go into a, like more of a slower runner um, than they are as a faster runner. But you, I just think you can't really go slow enough 
on recovery runs. And I mean, people look at my Strava and most of my runs are well over nine minute mileage. And then, you know, and then they're really shocked when I go and run a three hour marathon. And they're like, but you don't run at that pace. And I, well, I do. It's just I don't do it very often. <laughs> you know, <laughs> much all of my mile, minute miling is, you know, 9.30 plus. So it, it and I actually really enjoy people saying that. So it was, I think that the whole Stra- Strava thing, you know, sometimes people don't like to see their average, you know, their average pace. They don't like to see their mate, you know, seeing them running at that slow pace. So, and you see it in effort sessions where, you know, and I have to say to people, I coach, I need to see the little dip in your efforts, you know, where they stop their watch. So they don't get that really slow recovery bit in their effort sessions because they want it to go on to Strava. So it looks like they've run, you know, 5K really fast. Whereas actually what they've done is an effort session where, you know, obviously in between the 800 meter efforts, their heart, you know, they stopped and walked. Yeah. But yeah. they haven't recorded that. They've just stopped, started to stop their watch. And that, and that annoys me a little bit as well, because actually as a coach, you need to see, particularly if they have been using a heart rate monitor, that their heart rate's gone down in the recovery yeah. section and that they've actually recovered enough to do the next effort. And of course, if they start and stop their watch, you can't see that. So it's 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 interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wow. It's um yeah, really, really in-depth. And an interesting point you raised about Strava as well. It's like, and, and Dave, I don't mind you mentioning my recovery because I know that I do I do probably push my recovery runs like a lot. But for me, like it's it I don't I don't think it's Strava related, like in any way. It's just more of a like a run to feel and you know, we, we've yeah. got like a really nice flat seafront here and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's really nicely paved. Um, I just like the feeling of, of, of that pace I go at. And yeah, I think Dave, I've been doing that for like probably three or four, four years now, I think. Um, yeah, I know. I think it's, sometimes I come, come for a run with you, Dan, and it's like my tempo session. <laughs> <laughs> just well, jealous. <laughs> you have you have you have beasted me as well along along the seafront dave i have to remind you so um but listen michelle we've been chatting for ages um already and and yeah. i was hoping to, hoping to squeeze us in sooner but it, you know it's 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 already just like such a fascinating conversation but um it would be a good kind of time now to maybe introduce yourself a little bit and, and tell the listeners um a little bit about your running who you are where you're from um you can yeah. include, include anything about family life because i know you've got kind of like a you know very, very kind of sporty family life going on um running yeah. mantras anything that you think the listeners will find um interesting about you as a runner big question <laughs> <laughs> so um where do i start i have been like, let me talk about my running first so i've been running since i was aged 11 so mm-hmm. quite a long time um my pe teacher at school spotted me on a pe session and kind of nurtured me quite nicely actually he was brilliant and pushed me towards Torbay Athletics Club so um my family you know weren't really runners I suppose my my um birth father was a pretty good track runner um but I was living with my mum and my stepdad and they weren't into running at all so this is all very new to them and so yeah I was pushed towards Torbay Athletics Club classic I suppose the classic route that anyone that an athlete age 11 12 would make like my my kids are doing now so track running cross-country running um you know no road or anything really it was all you know on the track or cross-country training um unfortunately I suffered in my teens from about a couple of years I had an eating disorder which 
you know, I would, probably wouldn't talk about, but it's kind of part of my life. So yeah. um, I was very lucky, sorted out very quickly and very, very fortunate. You know, it doesn't affect me at all. It didn't really affect me beyond age 14 or 15. So really lucky there. Okay. Um, and so then fell back into running, but obviously a bit slower, took it a bit more carefully. Um, and when, and I was also playing hockey, so I was a very good hockey player and swam as well. So I was kind of mixing quite a few different sports up. And when I went to university, dropped the swimming, so because didn't really like the swimming club at Leeds, and I dropped the hockey. So and I just went with running. So start with the running through university, um, started doing some road races um, and realised I was actually quite good at the longer stuff and actually got better as it got longer. So just kind of, I did still do the cross country and the track, but um, started doing some half marathons, 10Ks, half marathons and did my first marathon when I was 25, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. So met Chris um, after... Um, at Leeds University so my husband so we've been together since we were 21 so we've kind of pulled each other along I suppose Chris again you know cross-country runner and stuff so we both started we both did our first marathon when we were 25 so we did London Marathon um, and ran sub three so clearly realized it was not too bad <laughs> at it so yeah. um, and and then, you know, I think I would describe myself as, in those days, as light and probably quite weak, if that makes sense, as from a running perspective. I was clearly a very fast runner, but I was actually quite weak, if that makes sense. So then, then after that, trying to run all these different road races and joined Bedford County, we moved over to Cambridge and I joined Bedford County, which was brilliant. But I was just always injured, constantly injured, um, just around my hips, my lower back, my knees, everything. I would just have these big spouts where I was injured all the time. Okay. And it kind of gets you thinking, really, doesn't it? And so that's, I suppose, when I was started, started getting involved in more of the strength conditioning. So I was in um, Alex Stanton's group at Bedford County, um, who was Paula Bradley's coach at the time and is yelling. Um, and he, so he introduced me into this kind of strength and conditioning work. So he bought us all a medicine ball and we did a strength and conditioning session after the track session each time. And I suppose that's how the good habits started to form. So then you take that home when you go to the gym and you start doing the strength and conditioning stuff. And that, that started the journey to not being quite so injured. So yeah. start, my hips started to stabilise. Um, and kind of started to think about what I was doing more, but it was still, I suppose, not really enough. So I think it's not really until the last 10 years, actually, as I, when I've become a coach, that I think I've really understood it, you know, what's really needed. So, um, so yeah, university, um, we moved over to um, Wiltshire in 20, 2008 from Cambridge, so... Um, job related moved over here and um, that's where you are now yeah that's where we are now um, we had twin two-year-old boys at the time so um, I wasn't working I was just kind of looking after them so um, and that's, you know, that, that, that's major working mom. that's major working Michelle <laughs> it is major working being a mum of twins I have to say oh yeah so um, and 
then between, I suppose I went back to work after after a while. Um, I've a science science degree, so worked in um, science writing for a while, um, and then we had my daughter. So my and my running was very much, I suppose, still trying to do road running. Um, I was doing cross country and road running really. So not 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 even thought about ultra running at that point in the slightest. And I did a coaching um, qualification in 2009. So I did okay. the first, like the leader in running fitness, the England athletics, okay, and then yep. went on to do the um, the coaching running fitness um, in 2010, 2011. I can't remember the exact dates now. So finished all of that, all those qualifications. And, um, but I was still working. So the thought of actually setting up my own business at that point wasn't on the agenda so I was I was just coaching at club level you know helping them out and coaching a group on a Tuesday night and I just had a few people who kept asking me you know would you help me with you know train for this marathon and I suppose it started to spiral a bit from there and um, (coughs) I started helping out people for their road marathons really and half marathons and just kind of wrote some plans Um, and then I was made redundant from my the publication company and decided I asked all these people you know well I'm thinking about actually setting up Maxwell coaching and they were like oh yeah we definitely would pay for it and so kind of it spiraled from there really and I just you know I I set up Maxwell coaching with Chris um he qualified as a triathlon coach and yeah we kind of went from there really so um and I kind of sidelined the coaching with some freelance science writing yeah, but I haven't done any freelance science writing other than writing for running magazines for about three years now. So, okay. so the business is really well. So it's Good. it's been a brilliant journey. I've loved it. And from a from my running perspective, um, since I had my daughter, I think I fell out of love with road running. There was something that was quite wrong. I don't know. I just I was doing these road marathons and just was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I need something else. Okay. There's something missing. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not as fast as I was. And although I'm, you know, we're still knocking out reasonable marathon times, you're like, this isn't what I want to do anymore. So, and so you start looking around. Um, and, you know, a friend was doing the classic quarter in Cornwall uh, in okay. um, 2013. And I was like, he said, why don't you come along and do it? I was like, what? Cut on the coast path for 44 miles. I was like, oh, you're having a laugh, aren't you? And um, so, of course, went home, looked it up, and I was like, I texted him and said, I've entered it. Right. So off we go. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, that was a massive baptism by fire. I, you know, I wouldn't recommend jumping straight up to 44 miles if, as your first ultra, um, especially not on the Cornish Coast path. But, so, um, so you didn't go and win it? No, absolutely not. So, um, <laughs> I think I came seventh woman or something because I tried to run it like a road marathon. So I went out yeah. too hard. I didn't all the classics. Didn't yeah, take yeah, on yeah. enough food. Um, didn't take on the electrolyte. Um, just yeah, everything went wrong really. So, but I finished, and you kind of think, right, actually, this is good. I need to do something else. Mm. And so then it kind of went from there, and you just learn as you go along, don't you? And and then you know started coaching you know the ultra started um coaching the ultra runners marathon runners 
and so you learn more and more as you go so that's it. yeah it's, it's never end. it's a never ending kind of learning it's learning never thing, ending then uh, yeah that's it's it, that's it. But you, I mean, you've, you've had some amazing results and, and if you don't mind me kind of like just reading a few outs, Michelle, I don't want to make you blush or, or feel embarrassed about this. I think it's <laughs> stuff that you should really, you know, it's just amazing. Like I'm, I'm in awe, but um, at the CCC, you were 52nd, which is incredible. Uh, Centurion Thames Path, 100 mile race, second place, North Downs Way and South Downs Way, 51st place. So that's a winner there. Um, that's, those are the two trophies, obviously. Um, yes. South Downs Way, 100, <laughs> second, Jurassic Quarter Ultra, first. Um, yeah. I may be picking your brains about the Jurassic Coast later. Uh, Beacons <laughs> Ultra, first. Um, the list goes on. I mean, you know, people can go and check out your your DUV statistic page and stuff, but I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of marathons on there uh, as well with some really good places and times. But yeah, just an, an, an incredible list. And, and any of those stick out for you? Um. Let me think. I think my first hundred is one one that I will always remember. The Southdowns Way hundred. Yeah. Um, it took me a wee while to gear myself up to hundred. I coached. I think I probably coached about fifteen athletes through hundred mile before I actually ran hundred mile myself. Oh wow! So, okay. Um, there was just. I think I just needed to be ready mentally for it. If that makes sense. So, and I was constantly people were saying, "Oh, when are you can do hundred, Michelle. When are you do hundred, and I kept saying, "I'm not." <laughs> um and then that was it i think you know you, you you've got to find the time that's right for you i suppose so yeah absolutely and i just think i loved it it was such a brilliant event um i suppose the other one that you have to shout about is the ccc i just think for all the hype and the difficulty of getting into it and all that sort of jive it's it is immense and i think david would back me up on that it's mm. there is something about that race that's just incredible you know and it and the, you can see the white draw to, to going to do it what the draw is so it, yeah. it is something very amazing to be part of so um yeah. and, and just think, you know and, but also very hard to train for in this country as well so um you know just the you know the altitude I think really gets you and and just the constant ups and downs and it's very hard to train for that here so because you know we've got mountains but we just haven't got that you know 3k going uphill for 3k and going downhill for 3k so we just don't have that type of yeah hills in this country so um it's 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 a very unique race and you know you can see the draw and I think that would definitely be on my on my pedestal to be honest Dave, you got, you got, you got, Dave. I think Dave pretty got, um, got quite creative with your training, didn't you, for UTMB? You were, yeah. you were doing, you were doing up and down your stairs with bottles of gin and stuff in your, in your backpack, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we not... just tried to get as much elevation yeah. into his legs as possible, and just getting that feeling of, you know, climbing for a really long time. So, yeah. Um, and it, obviously, he was. I think he was living at home, and it was quite tricky. Just we were just squeezing as much into what he, you know, what he could get you know anything anything you could squeeze climbing into we we, we achieved it so um right. you know we got up into the hills when he could and he did lots of butter hill reps so it we just it just shows what you can do to to get the distances in because he ran a phenomenal 32 hours for UTMB which is certainly you know very very commendable so mm. <laughs> Dave was there something you wanted to say about that training 
that well it was yeah i'm having like nightmares about it now still but it's just like they doing the, the butts of hill reps and down the back of butts of hill which i think we spoke about before with alex didn't we just about yes. how useful that area with that area is but you can't you just like michelle said there's no way around here that you can find those hills that you're going up for an hour or two hours at a time um non-stop and then rocky downhill straight away after it's just you know it's it it's it's a unique place to go and run around uh, mont blanc but um and i'd recommend it but it's just so difficult to train um so you do have to be creative and you know doing reps up and down your stairs with a bottle of gin is fantastic way of doing it yeah do you know <laughs> i heard recently actually um i think it was um I think it was Jason who said uh, he's found his, his new favorite, one of his new favorite toys at the gym, which is the stair climber, because they can yeah. literally just, yeah. just go for hours. Yeah, I think it would just be the boredom level. It's probably similar to going up and down your stairs, really. So <laughs> yeah. um, you have to have a yeah. good movie or something to keep you going. But it's a similar thing. It's just, it's getting creative and just getting that feeling that you'll have in your, you know, your calves and your glutes. And yeah you're making sure everything's activating properly it's because you just can't replicate that feeling and I remember going up the last climb um and just the backs the tops of the calves into the into the back of the knee were just screaming just mm. because you know you're not used to that level of you know hiking fast up a hill so and, and it, at the end of the day that's what it is you are hiking um but you do have to be you know prepared for that amount of you know pain yeah. i suppose so and load on the legs so uh, i mean you can do lots of lots of load with strength and conditioning as well so the people who are doing mountain races i will set them you know as long as they can do all the fundamentals in the you know for their strength and conditioning so stuff like split squats where you load you know the quads um with weight um replicates that downhill load that you get on your quads and your knees yeah. um, so you can do plenty you know to to help as well so if you, you know and obviously in the gym if you've got a barbell on your back and you're you are loading you know double your weight over your legs then obviously you're going to be replicating it quite similarly yeah, um, absolutely. to what it will feel like so there are things you can do so, yeah, yeah, just stressing the body in those uh, in those in those very familiar yeah. ways. Yeah, um, you've got a very comprehensive website, Michelle, uh, with a lot of really good information on there. Some really good articles, um, information about um, yourself and Chris, both as coaches and runners as well, which is fantastic. But who came up with the purple color scheme? Because it's always recognizable, especially when Dave, when you turn up to our runs in the in the purple Maxwell coaching T-shirt. So, so how was how how did that all come about? Well, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I'm, I've always loved the colour purple. And when you're trying to create a, a logo and a brand and you've got two of you, a male and a female, it's trying to find a colour that you're both happy with, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, you know, sometimes you find you know, the colour like green is quite masculine and blue. And, and, and obviously the pinky colours are really feminine. That probably all sounds very you know stereotypical but, but no no it's, yeah i know, I know yes. what you're saying yeah but it was just trying to find a color one that we were both happy to wear if that makes sense um and that would give us that branding i suppose 
So, yeah. so we went with purple because, you know, we're both happy with it. I suppose that's as simple as it was really. So, Brilliant. but I think once you've got that, you know, branding and color, it kind of just spiraled from there really. <laughs> and it's quite, then you kind of, you know, we decorate the gym in purple and everything purple, but actually it works. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people are, and people know that, you know, that the branding is purple and we've got the same with our sports nutrition shop. So we use purple bags and everything and it, it kind of just works. So Brilliant. Oh, I think, I think it's really good. Yeah. Like, like I said, just, just very recognizable. And once you see it, you, I, I, I know where Dave is on the seafront when he's coming in his, um, in his Michelle Maxwell <laughs> coaching show, which is, which is great. And I like the color purple as well, Michelle. So <laughs> it's good. Oh, brilliant. Good. Dave, Dave, you, a, a while ago, you put me on to, um, uh, some video classes that I think Michelle you were running I don't know whether you're you're, you're still doing them now but I joined I remember joining one um, yes and, and it was it was brilliant honestly and and for me it's just it's just a case of habits and uh, forming forming good habits which is why I I never attended another one Michelle <laughs> but uh, <laughs> do you still do those classes like like and can anyone join them what, what, what kind of stuff do you do so I don't do the classes anymore they were okay. a lockdown they were a lockdown Special. I suppose motivator for for our athletes. So yeah. just it was just that keeping that consistency and giving them something to keep them motivated during lockdown when there wasn't any races. And there, you know, there's kind of that tendency, well, what's the point? You know, we don't know when this is going to end. And I think it just kept it kept a lot of people going and knowing, you know, that they'd done their strength and conditioning by 8:30 in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So um just kept that motivator going for them and and what i did based on that is record a lot of the sessions um and then we've loaded them up so we have on the website a um athlete hub so all of our athletes can log in to that and in there there are i think 13 different sessions so if they're okay. feeling you know when they get to their strength day of strength conditioning and it says right you need to do this this and this but they're not really feeling it. They can log into the hub and actually follow a session in there. So it kind of just helps them a little bit because they've got a coach in the room. So, um, and I haven't put them all up on YouTube or anything because I kind of feel that they're there for our athletes. So, yeah. um, and I think, you know, they're paying good money. So, you know, it shouldn't really be available for everybody. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I haven't done any more sessions since then. Um, try to keep it going, but I just think, you know, once life got back to gets back to normal, it's harder to fit, you know, those time slots into back into life, I suppose. So yeah, there's only so much. You um, can do. Yeah, exactly. I and I, I do lots of, um, you know, if, if an athlete is struggling with something, then we'll, you know, we do a Zoom. I've done some with David, you know, and, and I get them to send. So athletes often, often get sent videos that people are doing of their technique and stuff just to make sure we can progress the strength conditioning as well so so what i do in the training plans is um just give the give each athlete you know two or three strength conditioning sessions a week um and kind of give them free reign in a way i kind of just say right this is what you need to focus on today okay. um they've got a sheet a crib sheet with all of their exercises and kind of the exercises that are important for them based on you know what we've spotted in assessment sessions and and watching them running yeah. um so work on their specific needs um so for example i don't I hope you don't mind saying david but david needs to work his, his hip stability is really important in getting his glutes to fire properly so he really needs those exercises just to get to stop his hip 
you know, he has this funny hip pain every so often. So just getting, it's a little bit of just persuading everything to kick off and work properly. So, you know, he has to really work hard at those exercises. And we found, you know, things like deadlifts really helpful. So occasionally you'll ping me some deadlift videos and stuff. Um, so that's, and that's the way we work really is it's just, it's very iterative. Obviously I'm not, I can't be in the room with all these athletes, you know, every week. So, and, and video technology is clearly, it's a brilliant invention and it keeps all these communication um, angles open for everybody. So, so yeah. it works really well. And I just, I, I, it, you know, obviously athletes still get injured and, you know, sometimes the load is too much on one part of the body. And again, then we can revisit everything and just make sure that they're doing stuff properly. Yeah. Um, you want to add there? Yeah. I was, no, I was going to ask, like, it's a bit of a, almost like a stupid question really, but I think that it's fair to say that probably as a runner, if there's something that's got to give, it's probably going to be the strength and conditioning. Cause I'd always go for a run over doing the strength and conditioning, but what, what's like really important about it? And I know that sounds a really simple, but daft question, but why is it so important? Why is it so important? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not proven really to be, it's not really proven to stop injury, if that makes sense. So what it's yeah. doing is, yes, it makes the body more resilient so that then you're less likely to get injured. Um, but it also helps the body tolerate load as well. So, yeah. and it's obviously load that generally is load to a particular part of the body that causes injury. So mm. it's not necessarily um, not doing strength and conditioning makes you injured. It's generally you have overloaded your body, if that makes sense, yeah. to a yeah. point that it's not ready to cope with that load. So, um, so... <laughs> It, people say, oh, well, I do strength and conditioning to stop me getting injured. And it's quite a sweeping statement because the evidence for that isn't there. Yeah. But it is the evidence for helping with performance is there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be by the very fact that it's making you stronger and more resilient, you're, you aren't necessarily getting injured. So then your performance improves. Um, and obviously, you are then tolerant of more load. So, can, so it's kind have, of... Yeah, you can see how, how it gets, you get on top of things with it as well. Like, you know, after doing a long race, you might have a bit of a swollen calf muscle or something or a bit of a swollen shin and then doing calf raises, then over a week will suddenly sort that problem out because you're yes. paying attention to, to, to that particular area. And I think that detail is quite interesting. I think Dan's found recently about doing some clamshells and some glute bridges have helped get on top of something that has been niggling him for quite a long time. So um, it's quite easy to see the benefit of it just by paying attention to your niggles and, and sorting those out sometimes. I mean, it's definitely more important than just doing some static stretching. So if you've got the time, if you're feeling struggling with time, then don't do static stretching and do some strength and conditioning. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's the thing behind it is, and when you're doing strength and conditioning, you are actually stretching the muscle anyway. So you're length, lengthening the muscle and so you're lengthening it and then strengthening it. So you're, you're kind of doing both things at the same time, if that makes sense. So yeah. particularly with calf raises, I mean, calf raises is a brilliant exercise. So you're loading and then stretching. So, which is the perfect combination really. 
So I guess I guess strength and conditioning could maybe be I guess like compared to people taking vitamins. Like vitamins don't stop you from getting ill, but they no. make your journey day to day easier and they make you feel better. So I guess similarly, it's making your life easier to get to the finish line of a race. I get up. Yeah, they just I mean they they're just making you more resilient. I think mm. and and if you do have a weakness. So if you have one side of your body that's constantly getting injured, obviously it's useful for balancing out, you know, and working on the fundamental stuff. So particularly as an ultra runner, if you are doing, you know, a big event in the hills, you know, things like your fundamental balance, being able to stand on one leg is really, really important. So, and being, and working on your posture. Um, So doing some strength conditioning will help you stay upright for longer so in a race, in an ultra. So, so if you haven't got a very strong, you know, trunk area, particularly in your core, you, you'll find that your body starts to droop as you go through the race. And obviously, if you've been working hard on your strength and conditioning, you'll be able to keep your body upright for longer. And so then you, your performance will be better. So in a way, yes, it is, it is keep, it is preventing injury, but it's, there's a long way of describing it if that makes sense yeah so yeah. um yeah. it's not proven to stop it but it's helping you perform better yeah and so. i guess you don't you don't need a gym do you because i know dave you use kind of like um kettlebells small weights like bands like yeah. i do and stuff so you don't need yeah. necessarily access to a whole load of equipment do you i mean this stuff can be done in the house the stuff can be done in the house and i always set people off like that i mean i the reason i do heavy lifting is is mostly because um, I'm um, menopausal, so my bone density is starting to reduce. So okay. I had a DEX scan after I broke my wrist a few years ago, which is a little bit of an alarm bell. Um, and so we, we bought, you know, a squat rack and some heavy weights because, yep. you know, that has been proven to, to improve your bone density. So, so I do quite a lot of heavy lifting because, um, um, because, that it kind of makes me feel what that's helping with my bone density yeah i get it yeah yeah absolutely and you're getting the strength benefits as well which is but i you know as an added benefit you know i am stronger um i am stronger more resilient so you know that's good (laughs) yeah yeah dave how do you get on with your equipment at home is it all is it all good and sufficient do you know what one of my best friends is a resistance band and if I can't do anything else, then a quick five minutes of doing some clamshells and doing some monster walks or some crab yeah. walks up and down the hallway seem to do the trick. And I tell you, if, if I can get five minutes in before a run doing, doing some um, crab walks, then I can tell the difference when I'm actually running because your glutes just feel like they're a bit stronger and more and firing better. Yeah. Um, I think I think the, the, those monster and crab walks are the, just the best exercise, actually. Um, and they're great. I mean, if you're going away and you haven't got room to take your, you know, all your kettlebells and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you can probably find something in the place you're staying in, even if you just fill up some, you know, water bottles and stuff to do the weights. But, you know, your resistance band, because you can fit that in your suitcase really easily, is, yeah. is one of the best things you can do just to maintain. So just by doing you know, some fire hydrants or some glute bridges with a band around your knees and, you know, some monster walks and that sort of stuff, you can really, you know, get that trunk area firing up quite nicely, you know, while you're away, for example. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. 
Michelle, Michelle, do you ever have to kind of, I guess, um, go beyond just like the physical training, the running, the the, the lifting weights and stuff like that, and actually ever have to deal with um, questions from your athletes about kind of that mental state, especially I guess with the with the longer ultra stuff. So, have you ever had yeah. discussions with your with your runners about kind of mental state questions? Yeah, definitely. So, because what they say is, you know, your hundred miler or beyond um, is very much well it's 10 percent running 90 percent mental so yeah. it's it, it's a little bit as they say in that um 14 peaks and whether you've watched that that you're oh, yeah. you, when you think you're fucked you're only 45 percent fucked yes. so it's very much that um very much that attitude actually you if you think you're going to drop out you most likely will so um it's it's a matter of getting through and problem solving I think ultra running is very much about problem solving on the hoof so yeah. if you can problem solve you're more likely to get to the finish line so for example if you're poorly a lot of people a lot of people would just stop because they said oh well, I've just been I've been sick so I'm just going to stop yeah but um it, it's a matter of you know working out giving yourself time how to, how to yeah. get through those problems yeah. um for the next but, but and get right i'm just going to get to the next checkpoint um yeah. and um then and then i'll work on it from there so yeah i remember for for kenneth and avon i i ended up phoning um a few people i knew and, and actually a few runners i didn't even know i just kind of reached out to a few people and just said look you've done this track race you did really well what kind of like does the brain ever play tricks on you what how do you deal with that so i got some really good yeah really good tips off of people that i used during you know each each training run during the week just i just yeah. thought about the things people had told me thought about little tricks to do you know yeah. when when things hurt really kind of try and bottle it and think about it and how it feels and how it's going to feel during the race so there's all sorts of things you can do which are which like you say just you know you benefit so much from during a race and i think i mean i think when things get really tough you just have to focus literally on that moment in time so you can't, you have to try and persuade yourself not to think too far ahead. Um, you know, in, you can think in, in bigger chunks. So you can think, oh, well, it's only, it's only, it's only 10 miles to the next checkpoint. I'll be fine. I'll get to there. Or you, you know, you can think, right, well, I'm, I'm just going to get to that gate and then it'll be all right. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? So you can really break it down to the small minuity that, that you need to deal with at, at that time. So when, you know, when you're going through a bad patch, you can really break it down into the tiniest little chunks. Yeah. Um, you know the next breath the next step you know and I think actually when you've got your head torch on when it starts getting dark it's almost easier in a way because you can focus just on that little tiny circle so in a way you're not having to look at the big view and you know all this other stuff going on you don't know if anyone's nearby Can't because you're just goals. focusing on the little dot you know yeah. the little dot in front of you so in a way that almost makes some of the challenges easier if that makes yeah. sense. So, and I remember thinking in the CCC, you know, because I'm terrified of heights. There mm. were places um, where, you know, you were looking ahead and you were thinking, well, it's green on that side, but it's black on that side. And yeah. you just think, well, if I'd have seen that view, I would have probably got really freaked out. But actually, I couldn't see, I couldn't see the drop. So I wasn't freaked. It was just yeah. black. So there's little, you know, there's little things that you can you know ways you can persuade yourself that it's all right yeah, yeah, yeah little wins dave how about you do you have any uh, any tricks you use apart from listening to metal <laughs> um 
Yeah, I think that the being sick one is is good because I've, I've learned just to accept being sick now. Yeah. And trying trying to recognise that as an opportunity to almost be like a blank canvas, and if you can put anything <laughs> in that. So uh, yeah, I, I normally I throw up and then start start having some Coca Cola and then a gel. Um, but yeah, I think you know mentally, what what do I do do mentally? Just accept that it's a shit situation, and that's and that I paid for it. I think. So. <laughs> yeah, you've you've got a very good way, Dave, of like really gritting it through, and you just have this kind of like you're you're very happy for your demons to come up to you and face you because you just grip them by the neck and and kind of almost like you know deal with them straight yeah. away. I'm a little bit more kind yeah. of like subtle and and panic a little bit. So. <laughs> yeah, and everyone will deal with things in different ways, and I just think you know as we're all individuals we, we do all deal with things in different ways so you know david yeah. is very like that he wears his heart on his sleeves and mm. you know he he will just literally bat the you know the demons out as they come to him so yeah. whereas some people will you know let the demon hang out with him for a little bit before they bat it away you know it's it's you know it's each their own and you've just got to dabble with your own yeah. you know own methods and find out what works for you i think so yeah. um yeah. And I think, I mean, it's difficult because, you know, in some cases you might have a really good crew in a long race and will help you through. You might have a pacer who can help you get to the finish line. And other times, you know, you're completely on your own. So, you know, you haven't got a crew or they, they don't allow crews. And so all you're relying on is possibly waving at a loved one on the way and yeah. hoping that they'll get you through. So it's, yeah. it's going to be a matter of mentally dealing with what's going to be available on the day as well. So, um, that's it. and I think that's yeah. really important. So you're not reliant too much on, yeah. on, um, on, on people and things. So. Yeah, absolutely. So Michelle, busy household for you guys. Um, and obviously we'll with all the coaching and, and sporting activity going on in the family. Um, how yeah. do you kind of all balance it out and, and what kind of goes on in, in the Maxwell household when, when there's no activities going on? Do you have a huge and colorfully full snack cupboard at home and <laughs> things like that? Uh, yeah, the fridge is and the freezer is rammed with carbohydrate. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, so our lives are, our life is 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 quite frankly ridiculous. So um, our twin boys are on the British Triathlon Elite Youth Programme. So their nice. training is immense. So they swim six hours a week. So yeah, we have to get them to and from swimming pools. Um, you know, before school, they swim before school. So Chris or I go with them. So that's why I swim quite a lot at the moment. Actually, yeah. it's quite nice. I imp improved my swimming by just going more often and trying to keep up with my daughter in the pool. So, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so they swim a lot all over the place because pool time is so bad in Yorkshire. So they swim in mm -hmm. Bath and Carl and, you know, it's all good for like 30 minute journeys. They run on the track. They, I mean, they do so much stuff. So we're constantly driving them around. And it's just, it is a juggling act. And I am lucky in that, you know, I work for myself. So I do a lot of my training, you know, in the day at lunchtime. Um, and so Chris takes the morning slots to train, if that makes sense. So, yeah. and we just, we agree each week. I suppose we sit down and we work out, right, mm -hmm. who's doing what trip. Um and then we work out our training around it. And I think that's the way, you know, obviously things happen. Life is like that. And you just oh, yeah. have to problem solve each issue as it comes up. Um, but you just, you've just got to fit it in however be best it works for you, really. 
And then, you know, but if by some miracle, you know, like the other week, my daughter's football match got cancelled and then um, something else got cancelled. We actually had a day. It was like, wow, you know, I might, I'll actually clean the house, you know. So um, that's one thing that doesn't get done very often is cleaning the house. <laughs> So good. Um, all good. But you know, who needs a clean house? You know? That's it. That's um, what we need. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 very much a matter of juggling because and our daughter is um been scouted to play football for Wiltshire and Swindon Town. So we're we're driving her around as well. Gosh. So she's also a very good runner and swimmer. So it never ends. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't end. So yeah, yeah we're we're driving her to different places for her football training and standing in the cold and yeah it's amazing absolutely amazing you you've managed to fit it all in i bet, I bet when when a film goes on the tv for you guys that the, the maxwells are all asleep done uh, well <laughs> friday night actually we, we do generally sit as a family and watch it causes all sorts of arguments as with most families i would say but, that feeling yeah um, <laughs> well, what we're going to watch it takes an hour to try and decide on the movie and then yeah and someone then, someone yeah. normally storms out once the decision's been made, and uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think yeah. we're a classic family household with that sort of thing. So, but yeah, we do we value our family time. We try and eat together as much as we can, and cool. you know all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. and it kind of works. It kind of works. Um, we don't go out much, but you know when we do go out, we enjoy it. So that's it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, It's just you know what we like doing in our lives, I suppose. So. Michelle, for people listening, um, maybe people who are just interested or want, or want to get in touch with you about coaching, training advice or whatever, how best can they get in touch with you? What are your websites and all your social handles and Strava, et cetera? Um, right. So I am on Instagram. So I've got a personal like bloggy account, which is yep. kind of more what I do. It's um, at ultra, ultra running Michelle, I think it is. Okay. Um, and I've got, and our coach account is at Maxwell Coaching Endurance on cool. Instagram. Um, on Facebook, um, we are at, I think, at Maxwell Coaching, I think it is. And Twitter is the same, at Maxwell Coaching. I'm cool. a bit rubbish on Twitter, I have to confess. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't really do a lot on Twitter, so I might not check it so often. So probably best to use Instagram or Facebook. Um, and... Our website is uh, maxwell-coaching.co.uk. Brilliant. So, Excellent. Um, and phone numbers and everything are on there. And I think you can, I think you can WhatsApp me now through Facebook. I think I've connected all that up, but I'm not great at all that sort of stuff. I do try. So. Brilliant. Well, there's, yeah, a, there's numerous there. ways, numerous ways there to there's get in loads touch. Loads of ways. Yeah. Loads of different ways. So yeah, get in touch. Follow me on Instagram. Cool. Um, I try not to be too boring. So <laughs> you're not boring at all, Michelle. Honestly, this has been like great. I, I, I could sit here chatting for hours longer, honestly. But um, what we what we tend to do with these interviews is we normally finish with a few what we call recovery run questions. So they're just yep. kind of very very quick fire one word answer type things. And Dave, I'm going to let you kick off with with a question first. Oh gosh, Go oh, on, then. put me on the stop, spot then. What's your favourite album? What's my favourite album? Well. Yeah. You answer this because if you say something like Celine Dion, then it's like. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say my favourite artist actually, and I'm going to go back to when I was at university. So I'm a massive Prince fan actually. So oh, I've right. got all of the Prince albums. So I'm going to say Purple Rain probably. 
Awesome. Nice, nice. Michelle, off, after a 100-mile race, uh, what's your kind of go-to food and drink? Um, well, I'm pretty crap at drinking and eating straight after a 100-mile race. But probably <laughs> in a few days afterwards, um, big salads, actually. You know, cool. a big salad with, like, hummus and cheese, lots of cheese, crisps, cheese and crisps, and salad, really. Um, I don't actually go for carbs at all, to be honest. Um, okay. I just go for, like, really fresh food and cheese and crisps yeah cool. if, there, <laughs> if there was one race you could do this year and entry and travel weren't a problem at all weren't an issue you could you could do it what would it be western states ah i'm there with you Michelle. i'm there with you i know <laughs> i know and i know david's gonna go i've done it <laughs> maybe we'll all, maybe we'll all get in one year together <laughs> yeah maybe maybe <laughs> david you got another question no, no, I was just going to say still now every year, I think I, I try and make sure that I do a qualifier for that race because it's just amazing. Yeah, you know, I know. You're going to do that every day for the rest of my life and still be a happy man, a tired yeah. happy man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, another question for you. Do you think Dave is going to win the next Lon Less attempt? Yes. <laughs> don't, don't. Yes. Oh, and he's going to break the course record. So. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, for road and trail, what shoes do you use? Um, I'm hocker fan like you. So. Oh, Michelle, I I, uh, I knew I was going to like you from the second from the uh, second on the call. <laughs> uh, you can get me some trainers if you like, Dion. Um, yeah, <laughs> what, size, I, what uh, size are you, Michelle? <laughs> um, size five and a half to six, depending five and a half on to six. The, Cool. Yeah. So I I was a bit of a Clifton fan until they put that little thing on the back, so which annoys my. I've got a dodgy ankle. And that oh. started to annoy my ankle. So, so on the road, I tend to wear, tend to wear Rincons. So okay. just my kind of ploddy road runs. Um, and um, for the trail, I mean, I just love the challenges. I think they're just the lush shoe. So oh, I, awesome. that was my first hocker shoe with a challenger. Um, and I'll wear them on the road as well, actually, because I think they're just lush. Nice. Um, but obviously not great in the mud. So I use the Fatey in the mud. So okay. um, they deal with a lot. So I think yeah. my North Downs, South Downs were all in the Fates. So, and, you know, my longer, I think my 100 milers were all challenges, I think. Yeah, I did, the challenge, I did a mix of the Challenger and the, and the Cliftons for the South Downs way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, love those shoes. Great awesome. shoes. Awesome. Excellent. And finally, Michelle, anything you want to add or finish off with? Um, maybe about the running community generally um, could be a bit of advice or anything. Just, yeah, just your, your chance to kind of like have a final, final few sentences if you want. So my advice is slow down. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Um, <laughs> not being in a rush every, you know, on your runs, just if you've got the time, just run slower, you know, save your fast, save your fast running for when you need to run fast and slow down. Enjoy it. Cool. That, that's true. Enjoy it. I think in, enjoying it is probably the most important part of it all. And 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 hopefully we all do enjoy um, the running. But listen, Michelle, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been lovely to spend uh, the time chatting with you. Um, and I can't wait till we actually get to meet up and you know, either at a race yeah, or maybe great. have a run somewhere at some point because you're not you're not too far away. No, we'll have to hook up, have a yeah. run on the South Downs or something. That'd Brilliant. Be That'll be good. That'll be good. I, I wish you the best of the year ahead. And uh, yeah, not only for you, but also for your family, all the all the running, all the kind of coaching, football much. trips, everything like that. Have a fantastic weekend. And yeah, Michelle, catch you soon. Dave, have a fab weekend. Yeah, take it easy. Cheers. Yeah, cool. Speak yeah. to you soon, Dave. Okay, sir.